Welcome to Sup FM, the podcast for stand-up paddleboarders everywhere. So with no further ado, let's get out on the water and on with the show. Here are your hosts, Nick and Simon. Good morning and welcome to another episode, episode two of season three of the Sup FM podcast. Now, haven't you ever wondered what it would be like to just kiss your job goodbye, go move to another foreign country where it's a whole lot sunnier, and start up a, a new life, a new job, a new venture, and a new business, and make new friends, and just have a complete restart? Well, Vicky Weston did just that, and is now running She Sups full-time down in Sydney, Australia. Originally from the United Kingdom, she said goodbye to that life and is now enjoying and loving it in, in Sydney. So that we'll find out all about her life, what she does and, and how she does it with this interview with Simon, which is really exciting. Like I often mention, what we want to do here at SAP FM is not just interview all the elite top paddlers. Well, while we respect them and, and admire them immensely and they inspire us every day to go and stand up paddle more, uh, it's also about the rest of us, you know, the 70% of the leisure paddlers out there and all, you know, all these beautiful little businesses around the world. I remember back in season one, we interviewed um, some guys down in the Caribbean and Roatan. And uh, it's so nice to get a slice of life all around the world. So I hope you enjoy it. Just one little thing. We want to thank you for all the feedback on our last episode with the RNLI and about water safety. Because Simon and I, as you know, have launched this new SUP safety course and it's flying off the shelves it's doing really well people are loving it we're getting amazing feedback uh, and if you would like to check out that course you can go on to subfm.show and click the online course button there and you'll see uh, more or less what it's about and um, also if you'd like there are 14 free paddle apps that you can go and download a, a pdf guide to all these paddle apps it'll help you in your paddle session so we're trying to do a lot more than just the podcast and it's going pretty well so far so thanks again for listening we really appreciate your ears and also we'd love to interact with you on our social medias but um without further ado let's chat to vicky weston so today on sup fm we're chatting with sydney-based vicky weston of she sups now vicky is no stranger to making bold life changing decisions and moved to Australia from the UK almost six years ago now. And last year, well, in 2019, she founded She Sups, which is a unique female focused combination of SUP school and a community which offers experiences, including, I can see, the odd addition of uh, coffee, picnics, uh, bacon and egg rolls as well, and the occasional glass of wine. So it sounds like a terrific amount of fun. Vicky, welcome to SUP FM. Hi, Simon. Thank you so much. And yes, we do have a lot of fun. I do need to clarify, though, the wine only comes after the paddle. <laughs> Absolutely. Just wanted to clarify very, very that. <laughs> um, so we'll talk a bit about uh, about that particular uh, trip a bit later on because it looks absolutely awesome. But um, the traditional way of, of leading you into uh, an interview with SUP FM is to ask about your first SUP experience. So what led to you taking up this incredible life-changing sport? Well, I ex first experienced SUP, I think, in the way that many people do, um, especially these days, where it's just a group of friends at the beach um, and you just go out just for a good day out on the water. And I think my first occasion, um, I think I fell in love with SUP from the moment I picked up that paddleboard because I think my inner 12-year-old that always wanted to be a surfer but never was because I was afraid of big breaking waves, as soon as I was walking down to the water carrying this board under my arm, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is it. I was approaching a beautiful bay in Sydney. Um, it was completely calm and flat. I was surrounded by friends and we just hit the water and just had the best time. And so um, that was, I, I think that was my first time. I actually can't remember um, my, my exact first, but I think the most impactful moment for me when it came to stand-up paddleboarding was actually when I bought my first board. And, and that's kind of the memory that really stands strong because like you mentioned, um, I moved to Sydney a few years ago and 
I moved from the UK and, and it's certainly a massive change and uh, there's a lot of new things to get your head around, new culture, a new workplace, being so far from friends and family. And my um, straight away within the first couple of months of being here, kayaking and just being on the water became something that connected me to new friends, connected me to the country and uh, I just learned so much. And so, like I said, first of all, it was kayaking and I really wanted to kayak, but I ended up getting a stand-up paddleboard and it just was like this key that unlocked this whole world. Um, and mm. we are so lucky here in Sydney to have so many incredible waterways. And as soon as I owned that board and I started going out by myself and I guess I gained more and more confidence and went further and further and explored more unknown locations and um, yeah, just kind of set off on these adventures. And it really just unlocked something in me, just a thirst for more. And that has continued ever since and, and led to where we are today. Brilliant. So we will talk a little later on about um, Sydney and your experience exploring the uh, the waterways, because it sounds like you, you've had uh, quite a few adventures, just mm-hmm. expanding the opportunities of um, of women in the areas to where they can paddle. But if we just sort of rewind a little bit, just talk about um, you, your decision to move from the UK to Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could tell us a bit about your decision to leave the, the grey clouds and the uh, <laughs> frantic work culture of the UK to move to the sunshine and outdoor opportunities of Australia what made you do it (laughs) I have no idea no um I as as you kind of suggested I I was an outdoorsy person person in London and so I was um I'm originally from Winchester um and I believe you're from near the New Forest or live near the New Forest. So yeah, kind of, no, I know Winchester pretty well. Yeah, kind of local. Um, so I grew up kind of in the country and, and um, doing lots of hiking and fun stuff like that. And so then when I was living in London, I found myself every weekend getting out of London. And I was, you know, going down to Cornwall, Devon, wherever I could to get towards the water or get into the mountains or anything like that. And I was just splitting my life between Monday to Friday, London, and then Saturday, Sunday, country or beach or wherever I could get to, and then back again. And I just felt like I was split. I, I could, I didn't find somewhere that felt like true home. And uh, I split my social lives and it was just very tiring and exhausting. And luckily for me, I'd done a few trips to Australia and discovered this incredible lifestyle out here where you can still work a city job, but within five, 10 minutes be down at the beach. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. uh, that initially brought me over here. And yeah, it's just been more than I ever imagined it would be. And I initially thought I was coming for six to 12 months. And here we are pretty much six years later. So um, yeah, I'm very, very grateful for this journey. Incredible. And you started off in a in a corporate job. Are you are you still sort of splitting that or are you full time she sups? Yes, I am now full time she sups. Um I was working in corporate for pretty much uh, the past almost six years or five years even. And the kind of last job that I had before I took the the leap away from the casual, like normal nine to five, it was, it got pretty toxic. And unfortunately, um, if anyone listening has experience with visas and being an expat in a foreign country, you'll know that there's quite a few challenges, which often result in you working in environments that you wouldn't normally stand for if you could have like the free choice to leave. <laughs> but when it comes down to a visa holding you there, you kind of just have to stick with it. And I was working in a very challenging environment and um, I ultimately had to stay there for the visa. And so for me, I guess paddleboarding and being on the ocean or being on the water really became a lifeline during that time. And it really helped um, help me unwind at the end of the day. I know a lot of people talk about the mental health benefits of paddleboarding, and I really, really tapped into that, and I really experienced it. And I struggled with anxiety and um, 
towards the end, uh, the job was pretty challenging um, due to the the environment I was working in. And so just being able to come away from that and just spend an hour on the water at the end of the day was just, it was what got me through. And so I am so grateful to paddling for helping me through that time. And then eventually I got my permanent residency, which meant I was a free agent. So I was able to step away from that role. I took a few months to kind of explore uh, what what road I wanted to take next. And uh, I guess, unsurprisingly, it led me to paddleboarding. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and and what you say about the mental health benefits, clearly that, that's a, a well-trodden path in terms of discussion, but it doesn't make it any less true. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so many people I, I chat to and Nick chats to has had exactly the same experience. It's something about the sort of meditative element of paddling, being out in nature, you know, just the, the sheer effect of the water on our psyche, which which does yeah. have such positive effect so so you you talked a little bit about um, your water sports background and your aspirations to be a surfer so before you came to Australia what 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 was your water sports experience it was pretty limited in that regard like I would say I was more of a mountains and camping girl (laughs) and I I was definitely whenever I was at the beach or whenever I was on holiday, I was always the first on the water in kayak or whatever vessel I could get my hands on. Um, Mm -hmm. But I guess my lifestyle back then was more um, hiking and just being in the outdoors that way. But it's really Mm -hmm. interesting now that I have kind of become obsessed with SUP (laughs) and it's become so integrated in my life that when I visit the UK and and I try to get back once a year and obviously at the moment I haven't been able to but I normally come back for summer and I've been exploring the waterways in the UK for example around Bath and around North Wales and I'm just seeing the country where I was born (laughs) in such a new light and so that's incredible. I mean, that, that that was actually one of my later questions to you, because I've got this theory that uh, my life is split into to pre-SUP and then where mm-hmm. it is now. And what that means is that you see all the places that you previously traveled to in different terms. So I look, you know, at places in Europe where I've traveled to, you know, Italian lakes, for example, a whole different way now. And I think, wow, it'd be great to go back there and, and paddle. But you're absolutely right. You, you do see things in a completely different way, don't you? Absolutely. And I guess anyone who is getting into SUP now for the first time, I guess I I want to encourage them to retrace their steps and and go to those places where you kind of took it for granted that there was a beautiful waterway there. And and maybe you're going to see things that you never knew existed by getting out on the water because it really does unlock all these places. And, you know, I even now in in Sydney, I'll, I'll paddle somewhere new and I've taken paddlers out with me in places where they live and they look at the water from their property. And then once they're on the water and looking back, they're like, I never knew that was there or the, the cave by the water was there. Or I never knew that there was this type of fish down here or all of this kind of stuff. Mm. And I love that about um, being on the water. It's so great. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you've paddled any of this coast, clearly a Hampshire lass um, originally, but uh, mm. just paddling the, the coastline down here, particularly areas like uh, the Bewley River and so on, you you go up and you see these massive houses and mansions that you'd you'd never get a chance to see in in any other way, and it's it's a bit of a hot spot round here. We've got some sort of um, ex sort of 1980s rockers who have who've built these huge mansions and piles here and uh, you know it does give you a real opportunity I, I suppose you see that in Sydney as well being a, a corporate and sport sporting hotspot oh absolutely I definitely have I utilize paddleboarding to kind of daydream about the life that could be if you won the lottery and you know traveling around Sydney's waterways and and witnessing these million dollar homes or even million dollar boats we have a lot of those here and uh yeah it's quite amazing I I've been paddling around the eastern suburbs of Sydney around Rose Bay Double Bay kind of area and I remember going past this one property And the lawn that came down to the water, it was almost like an art gallery. They had all of these incredible 
um, kind of like statues and models and all of these things in their garden. It looked like it could be a gallery or museum, but it was a private residence. And yeah, just um, it's pretty cool seeing that from the water. And I have a friend Mm. who works in in property and in real estate. And when I first took her out paddling, she actually said she was like, I think this is how we should do house viewings now (laughs) because it's such a great way to sell a property because it looks so beautiful from being on the water. So um, just um, cycling back to, um, to she sups, uh, where did you come up with the idea and, and how did it start? Was it a sort of a blinding flash of realization or was it sort of something incremental that, that you just built up over time? So it was kind of a thought that sat with me for a while um, it wasn't she sups initially, but it was just an idea that kind of sat with me based on my own personal experience. And basically that experience was being out on the water in both kayak and sup. And I felt there were times where it wasn't always that comfortable to be a female paddler. And I say that in that, you know, there's there's a lot of um, very welcoming people out there on the water, but there's also a lot of people that will just make those odd comments about, oh, are you sure you should be doing that? And um, there are waterways, for example, that I would launch from, and I would feel very vulnerable if I was there by myself. And it just, um, I guess it was that feeling and, and those experiences that made me start thinking, why like what would make me feel better in this scenario and obviously you know I can't control what people say or what people do um, and Mm. I can't change the waterways and and you know maybe a launch location is a little bit dark or a little bit sheltered that's made me feel uncomfortable but what would make me feel better is if there were more women around and on the water and so then I explored why aren't there so many women around and on the water And I had a hypothesis of, I think it might be because of these, um, these things that I'm experiencing, these comments and and there's these kind of um, feelings of vulnerability. And so I did a bit of research into it. And I found that yes, in in many countries and societies, there are these deeply rooted um, discriminatory social norms and stereotypes that are still barriers to women pursuing or participating in adventure sports. And so mm. I found things like um, being highly you know, self-conscious and worried about making a fool of yourself and thinking I'm not good enough and all of this kind of stuff still plays out in a lot of women's minds. And so I then took to doing some of my own research and I ba- put, put a call out basically to a lot of women that I knew across Australia, um, Canada, UK, just kind of I tried to get a cross-section of people. And I wanted to understand why or like do these women go paddleboarding or do do they go out on the water and if not, why not? And a lot of the women were coming back with things like they would like to but they don't know where to go and they don't know who to go with. And Mm -hmm. so that was kind of the two key problems that I was seeing time and time again with these women. And so I decided to try and solve that by coming up with kind of two initial ideas. So she subs came from the idea of I don't know who to go with. So I thought, okay, let's try and create a community, um, an environment where women can connect and find other people to go with. And so no single woman is ever alone if she doesn't want to be. And then in terms of I didn't know where to go, this is where the She Sups Sydney Expedition comes in. So the She Sups Sydney Expedition is something that I came up with um, to inspire more women to explore the waterways in Sydney and basically highlight just how easy it is actually um, for a female paddler to just get out there and explore. And I paddled, I aimed to paddle and I did paddle (laughs) 30 waterways of Sydney in 30 days. And I really wanted to just raise the awareness of these incredible locations right on our doorstep and just encourage other people to get out there, experience the benefits of paddleboarding. And um, yeah, just, I wanted to highlight just how accessible it is. 
Yeah, I mean, that, it's it's an incredible quantity of of waterways. I mean, you know, I, I haven't been to to Australia, but uh, incredible diversity. You've got all sorts of parks and and all sorts of different uh, places to access. So, so just tell me a bit about about that challenge and and um, selecting the the points that you went to and some considerations around where to launch and so on. Mm. So that process took a couple of months when I when I came up with this idea, you know, just pick a number out of the sky, 30 waterways in Sydney in 30 days. I certainly knew that there were at least 30 waterways I could choose from. And I ended up researching about 50. And I actually compiled a huge spreadsheet. (laughs) So I did um, a lot of site visits to explore the water and the way it moves. Um, look at the launch locations. I wanted to know, are there taps there? Are there toilets there? Uh, what the launch location is like? Is it a boat ramp? Is it a beach? Is it a pontoon? I wanted to explore um, the wind direction. What was the desired wind direction? Were there any strong currents I should be aware of? All of this kind of thing. And some of these locations I knew, but some were brand new to me. And I spent a couple of months researching about 50 locations and getting them into this spreadsheet. And I kind of had a rough idea of maybe 30 to 40 that I would do and then had a few backups. And then setting out on the 30 days, which was last September, I utilized this spreadsheet on a day-to-day basis. And I didn't actually plan, you know, day one, I'm going to do X and day two, Mm. I'm going to do Y. I really took it based on the wind and the weather, um, because as you know, you know, paddleboarding is very weather dependent. And mm-hmm. so I really wanted to make the most of the conditions and apply it to the right location. So like you said, in Sydney, you've got such a mix of inland rivers, harbourways, ocean bays, um, a bit of everything. So I was kind of able to play with my roots based on the weather conditions at the time and refer to my excellent handy spreadsheet (laughs) to um, choose where to go each day. So that's kind of how I landed on the 30 waterways. And in terms of of your experiences there, I guess there was a variety in traffic and so on. How how was that received by the the local populace? Because I I know that when I started stand-up paddleboarding, you know, when paddleboarding was still fairly unusual, you know, you always got quite surprised looks with people when you hoved into to view. Um, Mm -hmm. What was the reaction from the water community in in Sydney or or is a stand-up paddleboard sort of pretty common everywhere well it's pretty common most places but there were certainly a few places that I did get a few looks um especially being on I was on an inflatable red paddle co touring board and a lot of people had a lot of questions about being on an inflatable board but um one place in particular where I did get a lot of stares (laughs) was right in the center of Sydney there's um this place called Roselle Bay and across Roselle Bay is the Anzac Bridge. Now the Anzac Bridge I didn't know before I moved to Sydney but basically it's a very iconic bridge. I would say the second most iconic bridge in Sydney Um, and it is a beautiful um, bridge across the harbour and it's a very popular um, kind of tourist location. You've got the Sydney fish markets there um, and there's a really nice kind of residential area there. So I wanted to explore that area and so I launched from Roselle Roselle Bay pontoon and as soon as I did I could just sense the eyes of everyone around (laughs) watching me and so I just you know paddled off and I could see people taking photos and pointing but I soon got lost in my own thoughts and actually forgot about where like all the people around me watching because I was Mm. so in awe of this huge bridge and what I love about paddling is that you really um, can get lost in your thoughts and you can get lost in, you know, for, in that scenario, I got transported to the idea of, oh, imagine, you know, paddling in New York or paddling in this, you know, a huge big city and you're paddling under this huge bridge. And I just got lost for a, for a few minutes there and just enjoyed the paddle. And, um, And then, of course, I was like, I need a picture of this moment. So I paddled a little closer to the shore. And sure enough, there was a couple of girls there who were watching me. And so I paddled over to them and explained what I was doing and explained SheSups and my mission. And and they offered to take a few snaps for me. Um, And they 
they were locals in the area and they said, yeah, we, mm. we've not seen anyone paddling here. We've seen a few rowers and that kind of thing, but um, not stand-up paddleboarding. And they had the same kind of comments as a lot of people, you know, oh, I don't think I have the balance for that and all of this kind of thing. So I convinced them to give it a try and said, uh, it's a lot easier than you think. <laughs> um, it sounds like a spectacular um, succession of locations over there in Sydney, making me want to come over if... Uh, you should. If the opportunity- yeah, well, I certainly should. And and and, uh, and also, if you happen to be back in Hampshire, then... Um, then uh, we can hook up. There's, there's lots of groups here, not necessarily exactly the same as, as yours, but uh, plenty of opportunity and plenty of places um, in, in different sort of wind conditions and so on. So, yeah, um, just, so, so just, just coming back, because I'm interested about the, you know, the, the she sups, the confidence element, because I was chatting to someone yesterday talking about white water supping. Um, and, uh, and she mentioned that um, all the gear is essentially designed for blokes, um, particularly things like um, dry suits and, and the actual paddle boards themselves. But I know mm-hmm. that you're a big fan of, of red paddle boards. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, w- we've had John Hibbard, the creator of, of Red, um, on the show in the past um, why particularly did you um, choose red to go with for for she subs so I my first board was a red paddle co and so um, and to be honest my main reason for getting an inflatable and, and for going red was because I was living at that time in a one bed unit and I didn't have a car and I needed something super easy and I needed something light um, and something that could just, I could just carry down to the water um, very easily. And so that kind Mm -hmm. of got me started on the, the Red Paddle Co idea. And then it was the, I guess, the amazing experiences of being able to travel with an inflatable board and, um, yeah, it kind of just led from there, really. And she sups, we do paddle a variety of boards, but I find time and time again that most of the women that paddle with me do benefit and do really enjoy an inflatable paddle board and particularly Red Paddle Co. And I find a lot of the time it is because of the accessibility, because it's very easy to gain balance and confidence on one of those boards but it's also the weight um, element so and Mm. being able to you know move the board around put it on and off the roof racks or in the back of the car or that kind of thing because one thing I have discovered with a lot of the women in my community is one of the things that have held a few women back from going out paddling previously is they've always had to rely on someone else to help them with a paddle board and so I had, it's really interesting when I started the SheSots community, I found that I was attracting a lot of women that were going through transitions in their lives. And if quite a lot of women were going through breakups or divorces or changes of situation. And a lot of them were writing to me before their first paddle saying, you know, I'm really looking forward to coming paddling with you, but I'm really worried about getting my board on and off the roof of my car because it's so heavy and I've always had my partner around to do it. And now I'm by myself and Rada, rada, rada. And so, you know, these ladies would turn up and, and we were there to support them and help. And one story that I love so much is that uh, one lady, she came along to one of her first paddles and she told this, this same story. She'd gone through a breakup and she had never gone out paddling without her partner. And she had a board that she found extremely heavy. And so I was there on the first day to show her the best way, you know, to lift it onto the onto the roof racks and then I was Mm -hmm. there to help her get it off and a couple of months later I had another lady join the community in the same way she'd just gone through a breakup hadn't paddled without her partner before and I saw this first lady go straight over to her as this second lady was struggling and say I'll show you this is how it goes and this is the best way to put it on and I'll always be here to help you if you ever need anything and it was just such a magical moment I was like this is what it's about so cool and so um yeah I slightly went off on a tangent there but um I think for a lot of these women it's it's just being able to get out by myself and being able to do it um without Mm. having to depend to depend on anyone else and I guess that's why I tend to go inflatable but um there are a lot of really amazing hardboards out there as well so it depends on on your circumstance 
Yeah, I, I guess, you know, um, sort of coming back to kit weight is a, is a massive consideration. And um, certainly in terms of, of some of the, the leading board brands, so Red and Starboard, they seem to be making economies um, with the designs of the board that make mm. them lighter. So a lot easier to um, to carry for, for women, but without losing any of that level of, of rigidity. So I guess uh, with so many people getting into the sub market at the moment and inflatable being, you know, one of those key areas where people leap into, the key difference that I tend to talk about with people when they're asking for advice about boards is you do get something from those established boards with lots of research and development. And mm-hmm. it's particularly applicable for, for women who, who you know, don't have the upper body strength that, that men have and uh, just basically makes the whole thing far more accessible. Absolutely. And I, for the past few months, have actually been working in a um, SUP store alongside SheSups. And when I talk to people about um, which paddleboard is right for them, I always talk about anything that may be a little barrier or a little bump in the road that's going to stop them getting to the water quickly. Because if there's Mm -hmm. just that little bit of a barrier or a little bit of a bump um, that's going to cause them to go, oh, you know, it's too much effort. They're not going to go out as much as they would like. And so we want to make it as easy and as seamless as possible. You want to find a board that you just, you see it and you're like, yes, let's go. You pick it up, you head to the water and you're on the water straight away. Absolutely. yeah, those boards, those really great um, quality boards that have got a lot of design in the, and background in manufacturing and looking at every tiny little aspect, you know, even down to the pump when it comes to an inflatable, the, it, mm-hmm. all of those things are so, so important to make sure that you have a really good paddling experience. I've got a background in instruction as well. And um, so I'm sort of familiar with the, the barriers and the, the confidence issues that, that some women have when they, they think about taking up the sport, particularly for the first time. And and there is a, a, a battle around looking silly and falling in, which I have to tell everyone is something that male or female has to happen for you to evolve <laughs> in the sport. So just get over that one. But but the difficulty that, that I do find with um, that a lot of women have and which does affect confidence is bringing themselves back onto the board once they've fallen off have, have mm-hmm. you got any sort of best practices around that to, to to help women because I think you know falling off is very easy getting back on sometimes some people find that quite difficult absolutely so you know typically if you fall off there's a couple of different ways that you can try getting back on the board um, step one would be to be at the side of the board aiming to get your belly button onto the the center handle of the board um, and just pushing yourself up like you're getting out of a swimming pool and kicking your legs. Now, this does help if you have someone nearby who can stabilize the board. But I have had a lot of women come to me um, and, you know, full honesty, and they're like, you know what, I'm a big busted lady. That's not going to work for me. And so, you know, we have to work around that. So um, you can then also try getting on the board from the back of the board and sinking the tail of the board into the water in order to climb back on. Um, Or I guess the second option is, yep, call someone else for help. Call someone over and get someone else to help stabilise your board um, and perhaps even use their board to help you climb back onto yours. So there's a few different ways um, that I don't know if I can explain over just audio, but maybe I'll have to write a blog post about it and and share it after this podcast. That would be very useful. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a, a common thing and and it, and it is a barrier. And uh, as you said, it's all about sort of dealing with, with all of these barriers. And I can see as well from your YouTube channel, you're, you're, you're very generous in terms of um, you're looking at wind and, and other sort of potential barriers that people people might not know about paddling and uh, which are, are focused on, uh, on the practicalities and the, and the safety aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Because I really want to... Um, you know, empower women through education around paddleboarding and the ocean and water. And, and if, if people have the knowledge, they're going to feel so much more confident. So one of the things I offer here in Sydney is um, sub-confidence lessons. And the idea behind that is that I was finding a lot of people had already tried SUP before. So they tried it on holiday or with friends or just had that one-off experience, but they didn't necessarily get taught um, 
everything to do with paddling, including understand the hazards, the wind conditions, currents, all of this kind of stuff. And so they would say, you know, I don't need a beginner's lesson, but I don't have confidence on the water. And so I created self-confidence so that I could design tailored sessions around a small group of women each time and focus on filling the gaps in their knowledge to support them moving forward so that if they were in any situation, they know, you know, I know how to deal with this. I've got this. So I had one this morning and, you know, we had perfect conditions this morning. So it's hard to, you know, I said, imagine there's a big boat wake coming. And I was like, you just have to imagine it. (laughs) And then I was like, now imagine you're in a really strong headwind. This is what we're going to do. And so we kind of have to role play these things but I wanted to leave these ladies knowing that if they were ever in that situation elsewhere then they know how to deal with it and how to paddle to safety Um, so that's really really important for me definitely and um, in the UK we've got a course called ready to ride which is part of uh, the B super um, range of courses and it is quite amazing how much progression you can get from a paddler in just two hours just teaching Mm -hmm. them basics and um that there's there's also um, a lot of debate in the community particularly amongst new paddlers about the necessity of lessons or or not and and i see it as a as a little bit of a nonsense if you're spending that much money on on a paddle board and and kit not to just take two hours out of your time and you know the, the moderate cost it takes to get a bit of feedback and to start developing positive habits and to be a lot more aware of your environment and conditions and know how to plan because you know it, it's such an important part of, of the sport that the water environment potentially is really perilous and mm. um, and going out in bad conditions and hoping for the best is not a sustainable um, approach is it absolutely and you know there is so much outside of your control when it comes to paddleboarding and being out in the elements and out on the water and even if you are, you know, doing everything by the book, reading the wind forecast, knowing your location well before you set out, all of this kind of thing, things change. <laughs> and Mother Nature has a way of surprising you with, you know, anything. And so mm-hmm. you really need to be prepared for that. And I 100% agree. I think people should um, ensure that they have all the knowledge they need to be safe on the water. And ultimately, when you first get aboard and you first head out on the water um, you might fall in love with paddleboarding and then you'll want to go further or you'll want to go faster and you'll want to go for longer distances and longer time and ultimately if you were doing those things with bad technique for example you could actually cause yourself an injury you could get a shoulder mm-hmm. injury or an elbow injury or you know because you haven't actually got the foundations to support you in going further or going for longer distances and longer time So I think it's really important to, you know, you might not need a beginner's lesson, um, but just, you know, filling those gaps in your knowledge is really going to help you get the most out of paddleboarding and just help you on your SUP journey. Uh, you can get caught out very very easily and uh, and the standard advice in terms of conditions if, is uh, if in doubt don't go out mm-hmm. which is something that we very much uh, live by um, because yeah things can get very dodgy and change very quickly so sort of moving on to the, the particular situation in Australia at the moment I know you've just sort of gone through uh, winter time mm. um just having gone through the summer in the UK after um, our lockdown, we've noticed that what was already a, a growing sport has, has really exploded um, since people emerged from their, their hibernation. And it's been unbelievably busy all the way across the industry. How's your winter been over there? And have, have you noticed any of the, the same sort of characteristics in Oz? Oh, absolutely. So we are lucky to, yes, our winters do get very cold, but we still do have some beautiful blue sky days. So when COVID restrictions have allowed, um, a lot of people have been heading out on the water and actually paddleboard sales have gone up, especially in Sydney. I don't know. I think I'm pretty sure most places, um, you know, a few hundred percent. (laughs) And it's been absolutely mad just like in the UK, really, I I believe that paddleboard companies have been, you know, selling out. 
and everyone is taking to the water because they can't travel. And the situation currently um, in New South Wales, which is where I am, is that you can't even travel between states. So you really are just kind of restricted to where you live and kind of just a few hours around that. So people are taking to the water so much more. And I'm really excited for for this summer and to see what it brings for for paddling. And I can already sense we're we're a couple of days into spring now, and I can sense it's going to be a busy one. And there's going to be a lot of people on the water. And even with SheSups, I was reflecting the other day because SheSups turned one years old. And I was reflecting on my first paddles last year and compared to my paddles now and the number of women who have their own board now it's like last year I'd run a paddle and I'd pretty much do hires for the whole group and then this year pretty much everyone has their own boards and that's not necessarily the same women as it was last year it's brand new women who are joining the community and paddling with us Um, But so many people do have their own boards now. So it's a really exciting time for the sport. Um, And it's really amazing that a lot of people are taking to the water. And I just really hope that they do so safely and they gain all the amazing benefits from it. And they look after the environments they paddle in as well. That's a true measure of confidence as well, because to make the commitment to buy, say, a red paddle board up other paddle boards are available um you know that's that's a bit of a financial outlay so uh, so clearly the message is getting across in terms of um, of confidence mm. so when uh, lockdown eases in australia where are your where are your eyes fixed are there any other locations that um that, that you've either been to or that you you aspire to go to Oh, there's, there's so many. <laughs> I had a few uh, trips planned for SheSups up in Queensland. And so I really hope to get those off the ground, um, paddling around areas near the Great Barrier Reef. And I know it's on a lot of people's bucket list. So I'm hoping to make that dream come true for a few of my paddlers. But also just to keep paddling um, around New South Wales. And um, I actually would love to head more inland. Um, Earlier this year, I ran a trip to the Hunter Valley, which is in rural New South Wales. And it's Mm -hmm. known for its wineries, which might might be what you were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier about the wine and stuff. And it was an amazing trip. And I I went out there um, to support a local sub business that had just started out there. And when most people think of the Hunter Valley, they think of uh, wineries and they think of dry, you know, countryside. And um, Shana from Sup Hunter Valley started up her sup business last year just before the bushfires started. And then obviously bushfires hit that area. No one was traveling to that area. And then, of course, we've had COVID since as well. So as soon as it was safe to do so, I took a group of ladies to um, Lake Glenbourne, which is where Shana runs her business. And it was just amazing. The it, It's this huge lake in the middle of just beautiful Australian countryside and it's such an untouched unspoiled area it was very different for my Sydney-based ladies you know launching in a very muddy lakeside location and they looked the ladies looked very Sydney siders like very much like Sydney siders as they entered in and they were like oh it's so muddy (laughs) but with it by the end of the weekend everyone was embracing the mud and embracing the flies and just you know loving the country life and I've been talking to another guy who has um, he runs a kayak business again west of Sydney so further inland in in more of a rural area and he has some beautiful waterways around him but again he's had a really tough year with the bushfires completely wrecking that whole area and everything is starting to regrow now and we're seeing you know beautiful green regrowth and we really want to start supporting those communities that are lost Mm. so much during that time so I'm really hoping I can take a group out and go and explore the waterways out there and you know Australia is big so I'm saying just you know just west of Sydney it's it's probably a five six hour drive (laughs) but um, I'm hoping we can get out there and explore some of these kind of uh, more rural locations that's quite exciting. It's been a pretty horrific time, hasn't it, with the bushfires, mm. and then that there's be there was flooding, wasn't there? I think as well. Yeah, there was, yeah. 
Yeah, so and then COVID just to uh, just to just finish to things off. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. So that's the three out of the way. We'll all yeah. touch wood for the to the future. So uh, Australia is known for its its wildlife. When you've been out and around Sydney or the Hunter Valley, have mm. you uh, have you seen very much Australian wildlife when you've been paddling? Yes, absolutely. And we are very lucky in Sydney to um, quite regularly have dolphins. Um, paddling around us which is great fun especially when we see them at sunrise it's just such a, a magical touch mm-hmm. to a paddle and they're just the most amazing creatures so that's always really fun there's the occasional seal who'll pop up and say hello and quite often surprise us um, turtles there are actually in Manly which is where I live there are little penguins that I haven't seen for a couple of years but and I know that they are around, and so um, I've actually seen them when on the water on a paddleboard. And then, of course, the more rural you go, you do see kangaroos at the water's edge, and that's pretty – I don't know whether it's just because I'm British and, and everything's still a bit of a novelty even, you know, six years on, but um, I just freak out as soon as I see kangaroos when I'm on a paddleboard. I, I just can't believe that that's my life right now. So, yeah, that's pretty spectacular. And I was paddling last week a little bit further up the coast towards Coffs Harbour, and it's an area where there are koalas. And my goal was to see a koala from the water, but I don't think they actually come that close. But I was determined, and I looked in every tree. (laughs) But I did not see one, so I will hold on to that goal and try and spot one sometime later this year. So in, in terms of, of Shisa, you've clearly done a, a fantastic piece of work reinforcing confidence and, and definitely a, a job that needs to, to, to be done. It also seems to have um, struck a chord internationally. So you are getting quite a lot of contact from, uh, from paddlers all over the world who've mm. really chimed with your message. Yeah, I receive a lot of messages from paddlers all over the world. I had one this week from a lady from the UK, actually, and she she shared her challenges with me and said how she was benefiting from the content that I was creating um, around education and just trying to make all this knowledge as accessible as possible. And so that is such, that's just so amazing. It's more than I could have ever wished for with SheSubs and I really hope that I can continue to create a community that does feel connected globally and can share stories globally and um, you know women can support each other globally and so I would love um, SheSubs to have more of a global presence in future and who knows what that looks like but at least for now to have this network across social media of women inspiring each other to get out on the water and increasing the diversity of imagery around women on SUP. You know, it's not just a skinny woman in a bikini. It's every woman of every shape and size and color and, you know, background. And it's so important. And that's what I try and share as much as I can on my socials um, and within the community. And, you know, if anyone has anyone who's listening, if anyone has, you know, a story they want to share about their sub journey, I would love to help share it. And I I have an element on my blog on shesups.com where I talk about the amazing women in the, in the community and their unique sub journeys, because I think as sup has taken off and it's become, um, you know, just an incredible sport. There are a lot of people out there doing amazing things and they're going out on these big treks or big expeditions or racing and or doing all this kind of stuff. But I want to celebrate the smaller journeys too. And I, mm-hmm. I believe that everyone is on a unique sub journey and everyone's journey is different. Everyone's come from a different background. Everyone's dealing with different things in their day-to-day life. And I really want to celebrate that everyday journey. Um, and so that's what I try and do on my blog. And so if anyone has that kind of everyday story, um, just of their first experience, their current experience of SUP and what their goals are, like I would love to share that. 
That's fantastic and really powerful message. And I, I just echo what you've said, because it's something that we're very committed on SUP FM. It's not just about the elite uh, races and the huge um, expeditions, although we obviously do feature that, but it's the everyday experience of, uh, of inclusion and something that's really struck me since coming back to, to the podcast, which we sort of restarted uh, start of lockdown, is the role that women play in the whole um, SUP journey. In mm. fact, at one point, we were we were struggling to find some uh, good male interviewees because we were uh, we we were we were they were severely outgunned. But uh, you know, fantastic job that that you're doing. And uh, if anyone hasn't checked out your video about uh, the uh, the Hunter Valley SUP expedition, I would definitely recommend it because it looks fantastic, particularly the the kangaroos and the um, incredible. Uh, glassy water and of course the glass of wine at the end end (laughs) of the session so thank you ever so much for your time Vicky it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um if our listeners want to find out more about you and she sups how would they find out about you online so you can check us out on all the normal social channels. So we're on Instagram at SheSups underscore and on Facebook, just search for SheSups and we should come up. And you can also find me and find everything about my blog um, and YouTube channel and that kind of thing on our website, which is www.shesups.com or .com.au. Both of them work. And yeah, please feel free to get in touch anytime with any questions. Um, I would love to hear from you. Great stuff. And good luck for a fantastic summer season. Thank you so much. It was great to chat with you. Thank you for listening to SUP FM, the number one podcast for stand-up paddlers wherever you are. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until then... We'll see you on the water.